0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the It's Not About Me podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode and for making me a part of your day. Let's dive in. Welcome back guys to the It's Not About Me podcast. Today I have a special guest, Fabiola Alvarez. She is the founder and artistic director of Breakthrough Dance Company, and it's her first time on my podcast. So welcome Fabi. Thank you for having me. Of course. And Fabi's actually tuning in all the way from Japan. So it's a sacrifice on her part to be here. So I appreciate it. So we're going to jump right in. And Fabi is someone that I've known for many years, pretty much her whole life. So I know her pretty, pretty well. Um and something that I admire about Favi is her ability to be so resilient despite all the obstacles and hardships that she's had in her life. So Favi, I want to ask you, where do you get that fire and determination to keep accomplishing things despite all of the things that you've had to overcome?
1: It's really interesting that you ask that because I even don't feel like I'm so determined to do so many things like I feel like it might've been the social environment that I found myself, like the people I found myself hanging out with and the environment that I was exposed to from like going to school and the clubs that I joined when I was in school. I've met so many people who are so determined and so full of drive that they kind of inspired me throughout the years to kind of just pursue what I want to pursue, especially in high school, my group of friends and um, my fellow club members, when I was part of my school's Performing Arts Club, those kids, just like me, didn't come from a lot of money. They didn't come from very privileged backgrounds, but we made do with the resources that we had and we were able to put on good performances despite having those limited resources. Um, yeah, so I feel like it was really the people around me who kind of inspired me to you know pursue my own thing I especially had a couple of role model teachers that I looked up to and who made me you know believe in myself and discover that discover my own potential really because I didn't really grow up as the type of person to believe in myself it's just not the kind of thing that comes from a Latino family I feel especially if you're a woman the expectation and the pressures are just much more intense Mm -hmm. and Reason why you do things is you do it for your own future, not for anyone else. Mm -hmm. So, no one really gives you that kind of recognition, especially when you're first generation and your parents don't really know how to navigate American society or Mm -hmm. American college, for example. All they know how to do is work, 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 and Mm -hmm. don't really make a lot of money. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: the expectation for you is that you go to college, you get a degree, you get like a stable job that makes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like that combined pressure along with the good, healthy kind of care that I got from my teachers at school and my friends at school as well, kind of led me to who I am today.
0: Nice. I, I love that you were talking about working in the Hispanic culture because I recorded an episode specifically about that about this 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 Hispanic cultural, mentality of working. And because that's all they know, when you come from a different country, it makes total sense. You don't have a lot of resources, and you have to provide for your family. So when you come to this country for better opportunities, that's kind of what they drill into your your children's head, because they want they know what they have to do to provide to have everything you need. And that is work. And so they're not, they're not really savvy in anything else, because they don't know anything else. They didn't grow up here the way we did. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Like I didn't have if I didn't have my older sister, I don't know how I would have navigated through life because my mom did, did, didn't know how to navigate the educational system or how to even find a job. All that was was given to me through my sister, which I'm fortunate enough to have had. But yeah, it's They're interesting to know.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. To
0: know. exactly. And there's so many things we don't know. Um, And you were talking about like the friend's that you had in school, which is a huge influential factor, and it was a huge influential factor for me too. Did you find yourself like gravitating towards kids in the same kind of um situation as you, like kind of like kids that didn't have a lot of resources? Did you find yourself connected more to that kind of population? Oh,
1: definitely, a hundred percent. I grew up going to a couple of dance studios when my mom had the money, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't make any friends at any of my studios. Cause I can't relate to those kids mm-hmm. They're in there because their parents make them and they don't really want to be there or mm-hmm. they think that they're the best because they dance all the time. And I feel like they dance for external validation rather than something that they, it being something that they really enjoy deep down inside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's all for show. It's not mm-hmm. really for dancing for themselves, which I mm-hmm. feel is the most important part. So me and the dance studio don't really have a great relationship mm-hmm. um, especially because of the people that I danced with that were not very nice to me sometimes
0: makes total sense yeah I, I agree with you I find myself being close especially like we, we grew up in Miami so there's a lot of Hispanic people there so it's kind of easier to gravitate towards those people because you know that they get you and like Having that kind of support system of like-minded people with the same kind of like goal to make it and to come out of the ashes is, is so helpful when you're growing up, especially as a teenager, when you don't have parents to guide you, friends can be so, so, so crucial to, to your life and, and to keep you going. Um, did you, since you are a dancer, I'm wondering, cause I don't, I've actually never asked you this before, but, is dance something that you gravitated towards as an outlet? Like, where where did that passion for dance come from?
1: It wasn't even so much that, like, I started dance because I really liked it. Um, I had moved to a new school, uh, Ponte de Leon Middle. Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, they had a dance team, a hip-hop dance team called the Leonettes. And me and my sister were going to audition. And I was learning the routine and I realized that it was a lot of fun to learn the routine. I didn't really, I used to throw myself into cartwheels and backbends when Mm -hmm. I was a kid. I was convinced that I was a gymnast when I really wasn't. (laughs) But when you're a kid, you're really flexible and you're really Mm -hmm. just trying everything. Mm -hmm. But when I was 11 and I auditioned for this dance group, I realized it was a lot of fun and I wanted to keep doing it. And I was the only sixth grader who made the team in all of the for all of the girls who auditioned, which was pretty impressive at the time, because Ponce is a really big school. Mm -hmm. So for me to be the only sixth grader on the team was a pretty decent accomplishment at the time. And I thought, hey, this is pretty fun. Like, I want to do this more. We put on shows like Aladdin. uh, We did cute little winter shows. So it's something that kind of developed as I kept doing it, it wasn't that I went into it like, yes, like I want to dance. I want this more than anything. I was just mm-hmm. some 11 year old trying something new because I thought that I should find some sort of hobby um, mm-hmm. while I'm at school, something outside of just throwing myself into back bends or running really fast. I used to be super athletic and super into PE. So I thought that I should do something along the same lines of athleticism.
0: You know? It makes total sense. I, I didn't even know that, but that's super cool. And obviously dance is like a really difficult thing to master, which a lot of people don't realize how much technique and how much practice and how much discipline it takes to be a dancer. And it's easy, I think, for anyone to kind of be like, this is too much, I'm, I'm gonna give up on this. Do you think that like kind of, your environment and the fact that you had to be so resourceful and so determined. Do you think that that's what you use to kind of continue the discipline of being a dancer?
1: Yeah. I really thought that my love for and passion for dance was the reason I really kept going because I read something the other day too, um, where it was like, you can dream of being a rock star. But you have to also enjoy the downs that come with it. You have to enjoy the climb to the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. Being a rock star is the top of the mountain. But all those long rehearsals, all those artist blocks, per se, where like if you're writing a song, for example, you can't really think of any lyrics and you're Mm -hmm. tossing and turning and you don't really know what's coming next. Like Mm -hmm. all of those really difficult parts of being a rock star, promoting yourself, people doubting you, not thinking that you'll make it, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things are the difficulties, the hardships that you have to enjoy. You have to enjoy that process. That's Mm -hmm. how you find true passion in life. And I realized that I liked all of the difficulties and hardships that come with dancing. And Mm -hmm. it's more rewarding too when you get past a certain obstacle or when you reach a certain goal. Like, hey, I can do a split now, for example. Mm -hmm. Like that's a milestone that a dancer reaches in their career that's really significant. Mm -hmm. So- those kinds of accomplishments all of the stretching all of the you know conditioning that it takes to reach the goal of doing a split is something that you end up feeling really proud of yourself for accomplishing so I think it's really just like what you enjoy dealing with rather Mm -hmm. than what you enjoy doing it's like what what problems what hardships do you enjoy overcoming and since I was young, I was just very determined to overcome those obstacles. I think more so also because of my personality, even if I didn't like something, I thought that I should try until the very end to accomplishment, to, mm-hmm. to accomplish it
0: mm-hmm. instead
1: of just like dropping it. And as an adult, my mindset has changed. I realize if I don't like something, I just stop doing it. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. A normalized giving up. I enjoy giving up. <laughs> <I> <laughs> but there's certain things that you don't give up, you know? Yeah. And, hence, and my language journey has been something that I refuse to give up on. And that says something. I feel like that's a good measure in life because when you're 20 years old, what you want to do in life and what you're passionate about changes every five seconds. I'm mm-hmm. sure you don't. Mm-hmm. So maybe even at 30 years old, it changes every five seconds. Okay, what am I doing? What direction am I taking? Mm-hmm. So in combination with your personality, it's really just, oh, this is the thing that I'm willing to sacrifice,
0: make sacrifices for. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I heard kind of the same thing uh, on a, on a podcast, the same kind of concept of like being able to withstand the obstacles of something. And if you know you can, then that should be the thing that you do. So that's a great way to look at it because it's true. Everything you do is going to come with some kind of issue and some kind of obstacle. It's inevitable, but it's, it's, is it worth it for you? That kind of is the the measure of, of knowing whether or not you really want it. So that's, that's a cool way to put it. Um, and going back to your resilience and everything you've accomplished. um, I know that for you, it's a struggle to, to see how much you have accomplished and to kind of see yourself objectively, you have like, like, I guess a self critic, which a lot of us have that self critic. And we, I don't know if that comes from our background. And, 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 you know, it probably does, it probably comes from the way that we grew up in our environment, just like this, this idea that we have to attain so much and like, if if we don't attain like just the little things that we attain, like we can't even appreciate because we're always after like this huge, huge accomplishment. And we forget that the little things are also accomplishments. So I'm curious as to what you think has been kind of like that mental block for you in not being able to see everything that you have accomplished. Like, for example, being in a country by yourself at 23, which is to me is like humongous.
1: Thank you. I definitely think it has to do with our background. Like the way that I grew up, I feel like I always strive for perfection and external validation because that's how I was raised.
0: Mm-hmm. Can I be
1: mean? Is it is it okay to be open and mean? Of course, <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: <laughs> being straight up, just <laughs> of so course. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like when like growing up in a family like ours, for example, especially when you're first generation. Um, you're Latino, again, like I mentioned before, like women have this like pressure, we were conditioned from a very young age to Mm -hmm. care, not only care for other people, but excuse other people's behavior and allow them to violate our boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I feel like growing up, looking back, I'm like, wow, I strived so much for perfection when I really didn't need to be. And part of the part of the thing that comes with growing up being Latino sometimes is that Latino parents kind of don't allow you to be kids sometimes. Like they're like, oh, you're stupid for making this decision or you're stupid for laughing. Kind of like, in a sense, posing their own, projecting their own emotions onto their kids Mm -hmm. and not really giving them the safe space to be a kid. So Mm -hmm. I felt like since I was a young age, it's like, oh, you can't find the remote control. You're stupid. You're stupid. And Mm -hmm. like, when you tell a kid those things, they start to internalize it. They start to believe it. Mm-hmm. So in turn, the kid compensates some way. They they try to find an external outlet. They're like, I have to do, my mom is calling me stupid. I have to win her validation like a million times over because she keeps calling me these things. And mm-hmm. so like, I feel like with kids, you have to be super careful because they really internalize what you say. And growing up, I realized that was the kind of mentality that I grew up with. Like, Mm -hmm. I have to compensate a million times over for, you know, the mistakes maybe that my siblings have made, my older siblings, which they make mistakes because they're growing up, because they're Mm -mm. kids. Like, even as adults, too, in their 20s, like, our oldest one is 32. So when you're 20, when you're in your 20s, you make dumb decisions, too. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when you make those decisions, they're so, like, beaten down upon And so taken to heart that as the youngest sibling, I'm like, oh my God, I shouldn't make those mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I have to strive to be like 100% perfect, strive to make my parents proud. Like, and especially with money too, like, there's this idea that I I don't ask for help. I, Mm -hmm. you know, don't, I have to be strong and independent enough to not ask for help because that's the example that's been modeled for me since growing up. Mm -hmm. And the dance world doesn't really help that. Image like many dancers are perfectionists, and it's because your body, your dancing, your movement is constantly getting scrutinized and given mm-hmm. feedback, and that kind of thing does affect you growing up. You want to make a dance look perfect because you're going to compete with that dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want you have to win first place. Like you have to be the most flexible. You have to be the skinniest. You have there's so many things that you have to take into account when you're a dancer, and you have to have that thick skin when your dance teacher inevitably gives you such rough feedback.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that in combination with yeah, the tough mentors that I had in my dance groups and also at my schools, in combination with this perfectionist mindset that was drilled into me since I was a kid, um, the academic pressure that was drilled into me since I was a kid, have all kind of like come together into this
0: like, I can't give up resilience kind of personality. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And it's funny that you talk about like, being the youngest, because we think about, usually when we think about the youngest sibling, we think about the sibling that gets like the easiest track, right? Because the parents, you know, by the time they've gotten to and you're number four out of your family. So by the time your parents have gotten to four, people are like, Oh, no, like, that sibling is going to have the easiest life, the parents become soft, and, and they let them off the hook way more. But in your case, you had to watch the relationship between your parents and your older siblings and and seeing how, how much pressure was put on your older siblings. You still felt the pressure yourself, even though it was, it was from watching your older siblings. And that's so interesting because it is like the way that we are shaped also has a lot to do with our siblings and the relationships between our parents and our siblings. Like in my own home, when I was young, I would have to watch you know, my mom and my sister fight all the time when we were younger. And that affected me as as, as a kid, even though it wasn't directed towards me, me watching it, it was like, whoa, it, it affected me greatly. So it's interesting, the dynamic of a family, like, every piece matters, like everything that happens in a home matters, because somebody everybody's affected by the relationships between every single, you know, person in the family. So that was a great perspective from the younger sibling which I don't think we typically get that perspective
1: I feel like everyone thinks the youngest sibling has the easiest life but when you think about it I feel like that's not really the case necessarily especially because everyone kind of thinks that you're dumb and like you're naive and Mm -hmm. that's how you're the rest of your life and so you feel like you get constantly lectured on something that it's like okay like I've I've grown up I've lived like I I'm not a child. Even when I was a child, I don't think child children like being lied to. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're, like, don't lie to your kids type of thing, like mm-hmm. explain it to them in age appropriate ways. But like being the youngest sibling is like, why are you lying? You don't have mm-hmm. to lie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get that. That's so that's true. And and it's true. They They do. And because I've seen that in your family, too. And I'm sure like you said, it happens in a lot of families is like, people don't think that you know things because you're the youngest. And like, As if you're incapable of coming up with reasonable conclusions yourself because your age, you know, you're too young to be able to come up with like, you know, to to have knowledge, which is an unfair thing to put on a younger sibling, like thinking that, oh, no, I'm older, so I know better. That's not always the case. I mean, sometimes, yes, because obviously older siblings experience more things and they may in some situations have already been through what somebody has been through and they're coming with that knowledge. But sometimes that's not the case, you know. Everybody has their different perspective, and and the younger sibling, the youngest person in the family, has the right to to share that perspective and have that perspective be validated and not dismissed, because that also affects, you know, the youngest person in the family. Then they're like, oh, well, like it, it makes you feel like you don't know anything, which is not true. So that that I love that you went into family dynamics, and yeah, and it almost feels like because you know, because you had not only parents and obviously it's the Hispanic culture. So it goes even far beyond the parents, but you've got the parents, you've got all these older siblings. So that's extra added pressure and all that pressure is going to shape that, that need for perfectionism and that need to, to always have it right. Because the moment that you say something that they think is incorrect, it's like, they're going to say something. They're not going to, you know, let it go. So I feel like that also has a lot to do with that, that kind of mental block that that we were talking about, about not being able to appreciate the little things because they never appreciated the little things. They never gave you, you know, a wow, great job for being where you are right now. It's always like, okay, what's next? You have to get this goal. What do you do next? Yes,
1: the what's next is crazy, like mm-hmm. constantly. And I feel like sometimes the what's next it has a couple of years in between before you can do the
0: next. Absolutely. (laughs) Like I'm going to need a couple of years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The what's next is, is, is toxic. Let's be honest because it's like, you can't even like, you can't even be happy about where you are because you're constantly thinking, okay, I already accomplished this goal. What's the next? So there always has to be another goal, like in line, in place. You can never breathe and just like, just appreciate how far you've come, like nothing that you've done before matters. It's like, no, 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 that's done. Okay. Like, what's your next goal? And that's just so, so such a dangerous mindset to have, because then it's like, well, what if you don't make the next goal? You know, there's some goals that you have that you may not reach, or maybe you change your mind and you're like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I want to do something else. And it's like, it's not healthy to always have, you know, to always feel like you have to reach a specific goal or have a goal at all. Like, sometimes it's okay to just relax and be like, I made it. Cool. Let's, let's do this for a while. And then if, if, if in two years or three years, I'm like, you know what, I have an idea. Okay, cool. Let's roll with that idea. Let's see what we can do. But it doesn't always have to be a constant thing, like a constant thing in your mind. Like, oh my God, okay, I made it. Like, what, what is there left to accomplish? What if there's nothing left to accomplish? You know, what if this is it, that's okay too. Exactly. I feel
1: like, I'm always getting asked what's next and what I'm doing to further to my, to get myself closer to my end goal. And I'm going to be honest. I feel like I have an end goal, but it's very vague. I have mm-hmm. no path of getting there yet because I just graduated college.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like my brain isn't even fully developed. I don't even have a fully <laughs> That's so
0: true. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't
1: know. We don't even know what makes us really happy. We don't know. We can't even predict it. And especially since COVID, does anybody plan Mm. things
0: anymore? Mm -hmm. I feel like
1: I can't plan more than a year ahead in my life. Mm -hmm. And I have trouble living in the moment. I'm trying to work on that Mm -hmm. because I've been asked what's next, what's next, what's next for so many years, for so long, what's the next thing that I've never been able to just stop and like appreciate where I am now because Mm -hmm. I have to think about what's next.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. The what's what's next conversation isn't always the best conversation especially not like right after you accomplish something
1: I feel like it's passive-aggressive it's like as if the person who's asking it is saying I'm not happy where you are right now Mm -hmm. like it's not like it's the opposite of a good job it's Mm -hmm. a
0: okay yeah it's it's (laughs) yeah
1: passive-aggressive
0: yeah I totally see that and at some point you know you have to let people live their own lives like you can't always control or want to control somebody's life when you're an adult and you go off and you you know do your own thing you gotta learn on your own. you know you have to give people the space to to figure things out on their own not to say that you know you won't be available if they have a question. Great yeah, of course. but they need to figure it out. they need to figure out what they like. If they change your mind it's okay too because we have this like this idea that if you went to college for four years and you studied something and you don't want to do it anymore it's like oh my God. But yeah, this, this idea that if you don't use your degree, or if you went to college for four years, um, and you don't end up using it, like, it, it, people are scared that they wasted their time. And it's like, it's okay, if, if you decide that afterwards, you like something else, and you enjoy something else. And that's also pressure too. I think that we get, you know, in college age, and and in growing up, it's like, uh, didn't you go to college for this? Like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you pursuing this? This is a good job. This pays well, this, that, this, that, this, that. And sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes it's like, what you thought you wanted to do is completely different from what you end up doing. And that's totally fine. It's not a waste of time. It's just an investment in your life. You know, it's okay to have those missteps or not even missteps, but those extra steps really.
1: I hate the idea of like, If you go to college, you have to work in that degree. Mm -hmm. Like, can we stop with that mindset? I feel like a degree is just knowledge. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's like you go to school and you're like, I want to study this thing. Mm -hmm. I want to learn about this thing. That's all that it means. It doesn't really matter unless you're becoming like a surgeon. Exactly. Mm -hmm. A pilot. Mm -hmm. That's different right but like those those kinds of high pressure low margin error type of jobs like where you cannot mess up mm-hmm. I understand that but if I'm going to school for dance and Japanese I am sort of working in my degree but you don't have to it's just mm-hmm. for the knowledge I want the knowledge of dance and I feel like I still get asked what are you going to do with dance but you've always been a dancer what are you going to I'm like what if I just stopped what if I yeah. just decided <laughs> that I wanted to stop dancing
0: mm-hmm. and like,
1: take my life in a different direction like that's okay if I do that that's okay Mm -hmm. I do I don't want to quit dancing I want to keep dancing but if I decide to do that what is the shame in it what's the Mm -hmm. problem like everything I worked for is gone like no that's not it everything I worked for is everything I worked for up to Mm -hmm. this point it's still relevant to my life I think back I'm like wow I accomplished all of those things I made a brilliant senior dance project that was really you know, well-respected and also I'm proud of all the work that went into it. So Mm -hmm. that's it. Like that's an accomplishment that's worth mentioning for the rest of my life, regardless if I keep working in dance or not.
0: Yeah. Those are really, really, really amazing points. Um, especially from someone your age, you're in your early twenties. And I feel like your perspective is so valuable, especially to, you know, the older generation's, um, especially to the Hispanic culture and any new generations coming through. I feel like they can learn a lot from from everything that you've experienced in life and everything you've learned. Um, so thank you for taking the time to come on my podcast. So, so late in your, in your Tokyo time. Um, guys, if you want to find Fabi and connect with her, you can go on Breakthrough Dance Co. on her website, or you can catch her on LinkedIn and just search Fabiola Alvarez and you can catch her there. And I'll put the the, the links on my on my description so you guys can find her easier but fabi thanks again for coming on and making the sacrifice of staying up extra late to be here and thank you for your perspective and just for sharing and being honest yeah thank
1: you so much we should do this again a
0: longer version too like 100%. i'm so sorry that the internet
1: is being so weird <laughs> it,
0: it is all good it's not the last collab, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not we'll definitely collab again but thank you for coming on girl enjoy the rest of your night yeah thank you so much for having me (laughs) thanks again for listening to this episode don't forget to answer the poll question and to click follow to keep up with the latest content you don't want to miss an episode see you on the next one